0: Welcome back to the NL Central State of the Division podcast for the week of May 12th. I am Ethan Badowski. Joining me, as always, is Clay Snowden. We got our caps on this week. This week, I'm rocking the Reds. Clay's got his Cubs hat on, and I'm actually in Wrigley this week, uh, disguising a very messy room behind me. Clay, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing
1: awesome. Can't believe I'm actually um, not the one wearing the Reds hat, but I, I thought I'd go Cubs tonight, especially with you going to Reds.
0: Yeah, well, I've also got the D Wade shirt on. I'm a very excited Heat fan down here after the Heat knocked the Sixers out of the playoffs, but we'll stick to baseball for now. And we'll jump right into the NL Central. And actually, we're going to be talking about the Reds a lot this week because uh, the Reds have been playing some good baseball. But we'll start with the team that's been playing the best baseball in the division all year long. It's the Milwaukee Brewers. They're sitting at 20 and 12. They are five and five in their last 10 games. Actually three of the teams in the NL central right now are five and five in their last 10. That includes the St. Louis Cardinals who are sitting at 17 and 14 and the Pittsburgh pirates who are sitting at 13 and 17 playing some respectable baseball. The bottom two teams in the division are not though. The Cubs are 11 and 19 and they are three and seven in their last ten, the Reds are seven and twenty-four, and they are four and six in their last ten. Actually, we'll get to this in a minute. They're five of their last seven, which we'll get to um, when we talk about the Reds towards the end of the show. But we'll start right at the top. The best team in the division all year, like I said, the Brewers. Uh, the the Brewers dropped two of three to the Braves uh, since the last time we talked, and then they went out and dropped two of three to the Reds as well. Uh, Clay. We've been talking about this privately a lot. Uh, we talk all the time. How are the Brewers good? Can you please explain to me how their record is good besides strength of schedule?
1: Yeah, they they played a pretty cupcake schedule so far. Um, we all know that they have pitching, right? They have pitching. Nobody in this division really went out and added big-time stars. I mean, Marcus Stroman to the Cubs was a pretty big move, and there's a few other moves here and there. I thought the Brewers should have. Um, they added a couple of, of, of decent additions, but they're going to live and die by their pitching. And, you know, it's been pretty good. And they added Luis Urias the, this week off from injury and 310, 444, 552 with two home runs. Um, you know, adding a little bit of spark to that offense. But, Ethan, you're right, man. You and I, we're not buying it. They're paper tigers. They look great on paper, man. Um, I'm not a big brewers guy in in this season I I just don't see it holding up um, come playoffs I still think I don't care what their offensive numbers look like after this past week or 10 days or so uh, I'm not buying into the offense
0: yeah I mean you know you look at them against the uh, Braves and they scored 10 runs in three games six of them came in one game and we talked last show about how they had been torching the Cubs they've been torching the Reds Let's see them match up with some other teams in the NL, NL, some of the better teams. And, I mean, the Braves aren't playing the best baseball, and they got beat pretty handedly down in Atlanta. Then they came up to Cincinnati, and they got beat two out of three by the Reds. And the Reds, we all know, are the worst team in baseball by a good margin. They did play this one crazy game, Clay. And, I mean, there were some very high-scoring games because you know, the, the the Reds would get ahead early and then the Brewers would bring it back because they would get to the bullpen and, and we all know how the bullpen is. But the craziest game was on Wednesday and Christian Yelich goes for the cycle in a f- and, and the Brewers score 11 and they lose. Christian Yelich has been one of the better hitters in the division this week and he goes for the cycle. But when you're not taking advantage of a game like that, Clay, it just goes to show that maybe this team isn't what they look like on paper right now. Yeah, and
1: the the thing about that cycle—that's his third career cycle. All of them have come against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, crazy game. Reds score six in the bottom of the eighth. Game over, right? Nope. Brewers come back and score six in the top of the ninth. Or excuse me, Reds come out with the victory. But um, I think I think the Brewers showed this past week that there's still some concern.
0: But you know what? They do play in the NL Central, which is going to benefit them all year. And I think if they're in any other division, maybe they're fighting for a wild card spot. But I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, with the way the Cardinals are playing right now if the Brewers end up winning this division. But there's still a long way to go. One more note on Yelich: He has three cycles in his career. None came while he was with the Marlins, who have never had a cycle in their franchise history. So once he got to the Brew crew, he finally started hitting for the cycle. Marlins are just cursed when it comes to the cycle, but yeah, three cycles in a career, especially this young of her career is pretty insane. I mentioned the Cardinals, and let's get right into them, uh, Clay. They split four games with the Giants out in San Francisco, and then they drop two of three to the Os. and and it just feels like this team just can't get off the ground, right? Like I, 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 I just can't understand why. They play good baseball. They pitch well. Nolan Arenado's great. Goldschmidt's getting hot. Dylan Carlson's heating up a little bit this week, but they just can't seem to really start stringing wins together. Yeah, they did not improve enough from
1: the the roster last season. They were probably hoping that some of those young bats would just naturally improve. And Dylan Carlson's slow start, good week this week, eight hits, 21 at-bats. Him heating up is so important because he can take that leadoff spot where Tommy Edmond, who has started off hot this year, can move back down near the bottom of the order where he's much better. Not the best week from Tommy Edmond. Paul DeYoung was finally optioned. I say finally. Um, The reason why I say that is just because he's not a productive player. It was time for him to go. Edmundo Sosa at second and Tommy Edmond at short. Do we trust that, Ethan?
0: I mean, I trust Tommy Edmond. He's a really good player. I'll have to see more from Edmundo Sosa, but I mean – the, the Paul DeYoung thing is pretty crazy to me because I remember him, you know, from watching the Cubs so much, just torching the Cubs. And then he comes out this year, and he's really been unproductive. Do you do you see a path back to the major leagues at any point this year for Paul DeYoung?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess they just could use an option on him, and they wanted to just see if he could get some at bats and get a little bit of a hot streak and boost his confidence. But even then, I just don't see that middle infield. Mm-hmm. helping now what is helping is the addition of Juan Yepes talk to me about Juan Yepes who went two home runs this week slash line of 400 455 and 700 to play a little bit of outfield first base DH Ethan what are your thoughts on Yepes
0: yeah every time I look up at the Cardinals he's got something going on he's doing something big just providing a big hit I mean you know he kind of came in and he seems like another one of those Cardinals that just comes out of nowhere, right, Clay? And, and starts hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, you read the stats there, 400, 455, 700. I think he's got two home runs already. And uh, I think he might have homered in his first game, actually. He yeah. has been really, really productive for them. A nice jolt to the offense. And they need as many jolts as they can get. And you talk about Paul DeYoung. I think of guys like Kyle Schwarber, and Marcelo Zuna, who earlier in their careers were sent down to AAA after being established big leaguers, you know, like Paul DeYoung was just now. And I, I think of them, and I think, okay, maybe that can provide a spark to a guy. You know, maybe DeYoung is the guy that he spends two, three weeks in AAA, starts hitting the cover off the ball, comes back up, provides more of a spark, because we know he can hit for power. Um, but they really need a jolt from somewhere, and Yepes is providing it so far I think that Dylan Carlson is really going to be a guy that provides it when as he gets hotter. And then obviously the guy I'm still waiting to break out is Tyler O'Neill. He just hasn't gotten it going so far. Um, I, I, the numbers aren't here on this sheet we have, but it's starting to be a little concerning for me now that we're moving into May. That maybe last year, not a fluke, but you know he kind of outkicked his coverage last year. And and speaking of out kicking the coverage, do you think that the Cardinals pitching is doing that right now? Because they've been really great. Miles Michaelis has been really good. Do you think it can hold? Yeah, I don't. I really don't. I mean, Miles Michaelis, I'm not
1: taking away from him. He's been great. And until he shows me he's not going to be, I'm not gonna, you know, he's a talented player who struggled with injuries. Let's not limit his ceiling right now, even though he is older and you know. I'm not saying he has some next level, but I'm not going to say it's going to wear off till I see it, you know. But um, the rest of the rotation had a pretty awful week, and they started a guy who a lot of people don't know—former Reds farmhand, Packy Naughton. Oh, I saw who that. Not name, a 1936 baseball player, although his name sounds like it. Terrible start. You can't be starting guys named Packy if you think you're going to be making it into the playoffs. But yeah, I, that I, that's about how the week went for the Cardinals.
0: Um, mixed bag for the next team that we're going to talk yep. about. Yeah, the Pirates um, playing better ball than I think anybody really expected them to. Right, like I think you know most people expected them to be down in the cellar with the. I, I think we all we both picked them to finish in last place in the division, mm-hmm. and then we both you finished the Reds pick third, which we'll revisit eventually. But I picked them to finish fourth, and and right now the Pirates are sitting in a pretty comfortable third place. I think over the course of a year, look, this is going to even out. I think the Cubs are just a more talented roster. We'll get to them in a second, but the pirates, I mean, you have to give them credit where credit is due. They are playing good baseball. They beat two of, they beat the Dodgers two out of three, which was pretty surprising. And they actually made two of those games pretty easy work. Uh, I think they won one of those games, like seven, nothing or something. Uh, And they, before that they dropped two or three to the reds who uh, we'll talk about later, but, uh, we talked about Brian Reynolds last week and how he was kind of working his way out of a out of a bit of a slump to start getting a little better week by week. Right, two homers this week, two seventy three, three sixty five, ninety one. Sky's not falling for him, huh, Clay? Yeah, he's starting to look
1: more comfortable taking some walks, not swinging at the, at the pitches that are outside of the zone, settling in. Um, but really, what's driving this Pittsburgh team right now is a player that I know you and I are both big fans of, and that's the third baseman, Cabrian Hayes, who's right now at a 137 WRC+. Plus. And what I love about him, he's striking out just below 20% of the time. Wow. And walking almost 13% of the time. That big extension he signed is looking sweeter by the minute.
0: Yeah, and and the the greatest thing about when you look at his numbers right now, Clay, is – there's only room for improvement, you know, because okay, maybe he's not going to hit 320 all year, but he doesn't have any homers and he's only got he he has 8 doubles so far and he hasn't had any triples and we know he's got speed. The guy's got to start tapping into some power because right now his slugging percentage is actually lower than his on-base percentage 410 compared to 400 slug. He's got an 810 OPS, the 137 weighted runs created plus like you mentioned, 1.1 WAR. And let me scroll down right now. Get this, Clay. He's got seven defensive runs saved already. That's where that war, that 1.1 war that you see coming into play despite not having any home runs. He is so good defensively, as we know. I mean, he had 16 defensive runs saved last year. He had four in the 2020 COVID-shortened season. This kid's one of the brightest young talents in, in Major League Baseball. And like you said, that extension... You know, that's going to look like an Ozzy Albis, Ronald Acuna type uh, type deal three, four years from now when he's this productive of a player and the Pirates have him on such a cheap deal. I mean, it's almost unfair. You know, you almost feel bad for the kid, but it is really a great move by the Pirates to lock him up. And hopefully it's a serious move and they start putting something together. Maybe they extend Reynolds next that's down the line. But for now, you have to be pretty happy with how the Pirates look. And one of the big pieces of that has been their reliever, David Bednar. It's a little early for trade talk, Clay, but he has to be on the radar for July 31st, does he not?
1: Yeah, him and Jose Quintana are two guys who I could see moved. Um, David Bednar is a guy who I wouldn't want to see moved as a Pirates fan because he's so good. He had the two-inning save the other day. Um, this guy can do a little bit of, uh, of everything in the back end of that bullpen, high, high leverage wise. I just think that you can get a really nice return on him. And if I'm the pirates, I say, okay, well, I can have him around in a few years when we hope to be competitive, but I don't, it's just so tempting. And to me, like with a relief pitcher, most mm-hmm. of them are so up and down. Like if I can get a big return for a guy who can close games or pitch in high leverage, and I'm a team that's, you know, not competing in the next two years in terms of a championship type window or even playoff window, which the pirates might. I'm not saying they won't. I I, I just think it's the right time if yeah. he continues to pitch well.
0: I can tell you from experience watching the Marlins, they held on to Kyle Bearclaw and Adam Conley and Drew Steckenrider at the deadline a few years ago, and it got them absolutely nowhere. They the most they got in return for those guys was like a million dollars in IFA money move on from relievers when you're out of contention. If you're not going to be in contention for another couple of years, that is the best thing for your organization. Because if you're, especially if you're a good organization that can develop pitching, you can get relievers from anywhere. Uh, Clay, let's keep moving on to the next team and, and they have to be the disappointment of the NL central so far. One of the disappointments of the league, not that anybody had super high expectations for the Cubs, but I don't think anybody expected them to be this bad. I think we all kind of expected they would be mediocre. And right now, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, they're 11 and 19. They've lost three of their, uh, they've only won three of their last 10 games. They got swept by the Dodgers. They didn't even make it competitive at Wrigley field. And then they won two of three in San Diego. That was a nice series. The one bright spot for them, Clay, as it always is Wilson Contreras. Talk to me about this guy. I mean, he's incredible. And uh, it's him and Tyler Stevenson actually
1: that are at the top of the charts in most offensive categories for catchers right now. Wilson Contreras this past week, 550, 650, 950. I know that's only a week, but those numbers are outrageous. This is another guy, and I don't want to talk about it now because we'll have plenty of time to talk about it later in the season. There's going to be the trade questions yeah. coming up about him, and that will bring back a huge haul. Other than that, what else is there to talk about this week with the Cubs? Nick Madrigal, over 11. The only thing he does is hit singles, and he's not even doing that right now. Totally useless player at the moment, which I hate to say because I'm a fan of his. Um, Jason Hayward, Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel, Jonathan VR, all were under 200 batting average this week. Just to give you an idea of the offensive struggles, we said the exact same thing last week. Um, The only other highlight that happened this week was Kyle Hendricks' Going one out, one out away from a complete game. There's, I mean, yes, they won two or three in the in San Diego. I don't want to just overlook that because that is impressive. I just see so many holes right now, and you know Wade Miley, who they picked up this year, three innings in his first start, five hits, five walks. Um, it's only his first start. There's a reason why no team was willing to trade anything for a guy who was about a four or five WAR last year. Wade Miley's washed. And I think that the Cubs are paying $10 million for it right now.
0: And you know who I completely forgot is on the Cubs is Anderson Simmons. Completely forgot about that well, he hasn't until played, I was right? thinking about it this week. He hasn't played and they're paying him four or five million dollars. He hasn't played yet. And when he does, we'll see if he's even an impactful player. This team is just they're just what they are. They they're are there, boring. Yeah. They're just kind of they're just uninteresting. I find it hard to watch them. I watch them because they're the Cubs and I love them, but they're just uninteresting right now. And, and I mean, that's all there is to it. There's no reason to hang on them any longer. So we won't, we'll move on to the Cincinnati Reds who uh, are, are very the hottest, interesting. <laughs> are they the hottest team in the division right now, Clay? I mean, they've like tripled their win total oh, in man. one week. They won five of the, they've won five of their last seven. They're on a roll. They are streaking. The Cincinnati Reds, they scored 24 runs in two wins against the Brewers, including a 14-run outburst that we talked about earlier. Tyler Stevenson, he's a really great player. I know you watch these guys every day. What are the most impressive things that you see about Tyler Stevenson? He has such a beautiful swing.
1: It's so simple. It's fundamentally sound. Um, He's the type of player that you can show a young player how to hit by just watching Tyler Stevenson. He might not hit hit a million home runs or anything, but um, and I know this is such a cliche, but he just takes takes it where the ball's you know pitched. If it's the other way or if it's outside, he'll take it the other way. I'm um, just a pure hitter. He's been great, and he he missed time with injury this year, but he's three twenty two, three ninety seven, five fifty five, three home runs. But let's talk about who is leading the team in home runs with six. Brandon Drury unbelievable made the team out of spring training because of injuries um has been playing really well and if, if you don't have him in a fantasy league and he's available think about picking him up because he's eligible at like six positions as well um Colin
0: Moraine had four home yeah. runs this week three he and three no at bats ex- right yeah. there were two he had two in the last two at bats of one game and then the next day he opened the game with, an, with another home run
1: yeah and Luis Castillo came back wasn't Perfect in his first outing. No one expected him to be. Mike Mustaka is settling in a little bit, still needs to cut down the K rate. Had a big double today. Um, if he can be productive, that just does so much because it's been two years of injuries and sicknesses that have held him out. And the last player I want to mention is a player that everyone needs to know their name right now. He's a rookie this year. I talked about him on the Just Baseball show back in December when he was added to the 40 man, Alexis Diaz, a reliever. This guy is going to be a big-time pitcher for the Reds once they get into their contention. Um, so far this year, 0. .59 ERA, 0. .91 with 18 Ks and in 15 innings. He has disgusting stuff. Um, if you haven't laid eyes on him, pull up YouTube and see if you can find some Alexis Diaz.
0: So that is what's going on in the NL Central this past week. That's a little bit of a recap of what's been going on, I should say. A lot of good stuff, Clay. I mean, you know, it's a lot of we're, we're digging for some stuff for sure. But, you know, the two teams at the top are playing pretty good baseball, uh, even if we don't understand how the Brewers are doing it. And maybe who knows, maybe eventually we'll figure out why the Brewers are really good. But right now, we just can't do it. We're still searching for an answer. If you have an answer, let us know, because neither of us can figure it out. And we feel like we're all alone in the JB chat when people tell us how good the Brewers are. And we just don't understand why. Uh, Speaking of the Brewers and what's ahead, well, actually, we're going to start with the Reds. Let's start taking a look at what's coming up for each of these teams. So the Reds got off to a winning start in a uh, four-game set this weekend with the Pirates. They won 4-0 tonight. They shut out the Pirates. Uh, Who got the start in this game? Let me tell you real quickly. It was Overton, Connor Overton, who we talked about last week. He did not allow a run in six and a third and only struck out one pirate. Gotta love that. There were actually two performances like that tonight across Major League Baseball. Look for that in the highlight reel tomorrow of guys that only struck out one guy. Uh, After that, the Reds head to... Do they head to Cleveland or do they host Cleveland? I think they head to Cleveland to face the in-state rival Guardians. Uh, Let me just make sure real quick... That I've got that right. Um, sorry about this. Yeah, they go to Cleveland for a two-game set Tuesday and Wednesday. And then we'll talk to you before they go to Toronto um to wrap up next week. The Pirates, as we just mentioned, are hosting the Reds. Then they get the Cubbies. And where do they get the Cubs, Clay? We gotta next yeah. time we gotta put next time we gotta put where they are. So so they, full full disclosure for the listeners, I um,
1: throw together some notes. And I usually just when I did this last week, I just said, you know, Reds have Pirates and Guardians, Pirates, Reds and Cubs. And I just totally forgot to say where they're playing. And Ethan, being a much more thorough and detail-oriented person, wants to give you all
0: of the details when I just want to yell stuff at you. So the Pirates, they have the Cubs next week in Chicago for a three-game set Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. The Cubbies... They're out West. They go to the diamondbacks this weekend. They're off tonight. So they must have a three game set this weekend. Then as we just mentioned, they come home to face the pirates big week for the Cardinals. Clay, this is a really big week for the Cardinals. They have two really good teams. They host the giants and then they go on the road to to face the Mets next week. Uh, Let me check real quick. How many games that is. I know that it's a three game set with the giants because they're off tonight. But the the uh, yeah, it, it, Mets and, is and a 4 are talking about it.
1: Yep. And you're yep. talking about a team of the Mets that that's going to be a test. That's the yep. number one team in yep. the NL. If if they can beat that, I'd be surprised. But you just dropped two of three at home to Baltimore. Like, yep. you know, it's a little bit of a reality check.
0: No, that is a measuring. That's going to be the measuring stick for a lot of these teams. You know, and San Francisco is a good one as well. You know, we just saw uh, St. Louis go out to play San Francisco. Take two of four there. All right. The final team we get to. uh, Thanks for stalling so that I could pull it up real quickly. The Brewers, they face the NL East this week. Um, Actually, all three of their series this upcoming week are against the National League East. They've come down to Miami. I'll be there on Saturday to see the Brewers up close and personal. They've got three this weekend with the Marlins. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they get back home to face the Atlanta Braves. Clay, any final thoughts?
1: No, thank, I will definitely put where the teams are playing
0: next week. I'll make it a little. So that <laughs> I don't have to
1: talk about the Mets being good, which everybody knows.
0: Yeah, a lot of measuring stick games for these teams, and a lot of division play as well, which is always good to see these teams match up against each other so that we can see how they stack up. We'll talk to you next week on the NL Central state of the division.